0: All right, the question I was asking is, do you have a favorite book of the Bible? Just shout them out to me. What are they? Uh, Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians, Romans. I think somebody said Psalms. <laughs> okay. The whole Bible somebody said. Wow. Judges. Judge, judges, wow. Okay, that's almost... I asked last night if they knew the Song of Solomon, and nobody really knew it, but Helen is going to learn it. <laughs> go for it, Go for it, Helen. Give me your ad- Helen, give me your address afterwards, and I'll send you a book about the Song of Solomon, okay? OK? <laughs> to help you learn. <laughs> All right. When I tell people my favorite book of the Bible is Habakkuk, I get a lot of, probably as many funny looks as whoever said Judges is their favorite book. But why is Habakkuk my favorite book of the Bible? It's because God has met me here repeatedly over and over again. He met me here. In fact, I'll look at the date because I have it written down in my Bible. In this Bible, I've had recovered several times. And it says in my Bible, in the book of Habakkuk, that the date was May 10th 1984 All right that was a while ago and that was when one of my precious daughters decided the world looks looked really interesting and was walking toward the world and was wearing black and was coming home from school and crawling in bed under the covers and putting the covers over her head. And my husband and I were saying, do we have to leave the mission field? What do we have to do? Uh, Our daughter is not in a good place. She got an A in math last quarter and is headed toward an F this quarter. What do we do? So I have May 10th, 1984, written down the first time God really spoke to me through Habakkuk. The next date written down is November 28th, 1999, and that's the day that my precious granddaughter Sophia was born in Finland. My daughter Robin is married to a Finn, and my granddaughter was born there. Because uh, my daughter had many problems in the pregnancy. I had been in Finland for several months with her. She'd been laying on her side to keep the pregnancy. I had to go back to America for a week. And during that week, she went into labor. And Sophia was born prematurely. And I would get these (coughs) calls... mom, Sophia's on her third blood transfusion and I'm not sure she's going to live, mom mom, mom, they think there are all of these things wrong with Sophia mom, mom, I don't think I can stand it because they kept saying we have to stop this baby from coming not knowing that there was a tear in the placenta and Sophia was starving to death Inside of her mother. And I remember how difficult that was and why I needed Habakkuk to teach me again about trusting him. Uh, in January of 2007, I fell down a staircase in an airport and landed on my head and woke up a few hours later in a trauma hospital with a brain injury and began the long journey of healing from a traumatic brain injury. And uh, Habakkuk again became my friend. And in the last years with my daughter's cancer, Habakkuk and I became very well acquainted again. I've turned to Habakkuk at other times, but these have been the major trauma areas of my life. And someone said, you're studying Habakkuk again? You practically have that book memorized. And I said, Habakkuk has been my teacher in how to trust God. And... I thought God had taught me through my brain injury how to trust him, but no, he is teaching me new things. So I've had to go back to Habakkuk again and study it again and ask God, okay, what else are you teaching me? Who is your teacher about trusting God? Where do you turn? I shared with you yesterday, I believe it was, that I've had the privilege of spending several weeks with the women in Ukraine, women leaders in Ukraine, Bible study leaders leaders of others, over Zoom. And I asked them this question, does God owe us an answer? And uh, I said, I want you to think about that as we studied the book of Habakkuk together. And we took three weeks to study the book of Habakkuk. We're going to do it in one morning. That's because you're missionary women and you're just so smart and know the Bible so well. I really can't wait to meet Habakkuk in heaven because he has been my teacher about trusting God. He is the only prophet in the Bible who speaks only to God. He never speaks to other people. That's what prophets usually do. They usually prophesy to other people. Habakkuk does not. He only talks to God. His name means embrace or cling. And that is what he learns to do, is embrace his God and cling to him. And this is what he wants us to learn from him. This prophetic book feels more like reading someone's journal than it does reading prophetic oratory. It's real. It's raw. It's a book of deep struggle. It's a story of a man who is trying to come to grips with what God is doing when God doesn't make any sense to him when he can't understand God and when he can't see at all what God is doing. Have you ever been in that place? I have been in that place more times than I can remember. So it is a book of struggle and doubt but it is also a book of hope. So open your book to chapter 1. Open your Bible. And in chapter 1, Habakkuk has two problems. And the first problem is why does God allow wicked practices to continue in Judah? You know, when I come to God, usually it's about personal problems or problems about people I love. Habakkuk was about his country. And he looked at his country and was so distraught that God would let these evil practices continue i'm going to read you the first four verses of habakkuk chapter 1 how long o lord will i call for help and you will not hear i cry out to you violence and you will not save now when in your bible when it says i cry out or something like that The English just doesn't do the Hebrew that it was originally written in. It doesn't do it justice because the Hebrew word means scream. I am screaming at you, God. Are you not listening? Habakkuk is angry with God. He is frustrated. He says, I am screaming, God. I'm screaming to you, violence. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you make me look on, vi- on wickedness? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. My country is so bad that justice comes out perverted. I mean that's pretty bad. It sounds like my country. Hmm. Justice gets perverted. Well let me let me put Habakkuk's problem in context for you. It would be as if we got on our knees right now. If we all just got on our knees and we said God why why are you letting America off the hook look at it? Look what is happening in our country. There are children killing children in our schools. God, look what's happening when we're trying to do something about abortion. And look at the backlash. God, look at our country. Look what's happening with fentanyl and with drugs, and with all of these teenagers that are dying. God, God, can you not do something? Do you see that people are so mixed up, they don't even know what gender they are? God, have you seen our country? You created marriage between a man and a woman, and... Ah. God, it is our country is so mixed up. I talked to someone who said they taught in a class where a boy said he was a cat and brought a litter box to school. God, would you do something? I am screaming to you. We are on our knees here corporately screaming. We are crying out to you. Would you intervene? Our country is going crazy. Would you stop sex trafficking? God, please. This is, this is how Habakkuk felt. And he was begging God from the depths of his soul. It was an honest prayer He was in pain for his country. And in verse 5 through 11, God answers him. And God says in verse 5, Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, and wonder. I'm going to do something in your days you would not believe if I told you. Because I'm raising up the Babylonians, that fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. Their justice and authority originate in themselves. Habakkuk, I heard you, and I'm going to do something about it. I'm sending the Babylonians. Isn't that wonderful? And it would be like us being on our knees, screaming to God, God, do something about America, and God says, look, be astonished and wonder, I'm going to intervene and do something. Did you see what I'm doing in the Ukraine? Well, I'm going to send Putin to your country. He's going to come take over just like Russia's going to come take over America, just like they did in Ukraine. Isn't that what you want? And we say, well, wait a minute, God. We're bad, but they're worse than we are. God, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You didn't hear right. Maybe we're bad, but do you realize what Putin's been doing in Ukraine? Ukraine. Their soldiers are raping women they're, they're God, God, it's not a war, it's a genocide. They have pictures to prove it. It's horror. You're not going to do that to America. I, I don't think I explained very well. We were screaming and we were praying, but and we are bad, we are really bad, but they're so much worse. They lie. They cheat. Did you know they put bombs inside dead people? So when when the Ukrainians try to pick up the people to bury them, everybody's exploded. It's not a war. It's a genocide. God, God, wait a minute. You can't let them come here. I'm sorry, God, it doesn't make sense. God, you must not have understood when I was praying because I really wanted your help. That's how Habakkuk felt. He really wanted God to do something for his country and God's answer, God's help, was a bigger problem than the problem in the first place. So then Habakkuk had a a second problem. Why, God? Why? I don't understand you. You don't make sense to me. I call to you for help, and your answer is more confusing than my question. And he just says, God, why would you use wicked people to punish Judah? More wicked people. And in the middle of chapter 1, in verse 13 and 14, he asks why several times. Why can you look on with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why could you be silent when the ones who are wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Why, 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 God? God, God, I thought I understood you, but you just don't make any sense to me at all. Ladies, what do we do when God doesn't make sense to us when we don't understand Him? Where do we go? Often, where do we go? I think what you to friends, I think we sometimes go and it's not wrong to go to friends, but I think sometimes we go only to friends and just cry and talk about how we just never can understand God. Uh, what I love about Habakkuk is he, he really was confused. He really didn't understand God And what he says in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 is, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. And how I may reply when I am reproved. He um, he says, I will stand and watch. And I love that. I love that about him. Okay, God, I don't understand you, but I'm going to go. To a place where I can be alone with you. And I'm going to be quiet. And I'm going to listen. A guard post or a watch post refers to an observation tower or a stronghold. And they were a familiar sight in Habakkuk's day. It was a place where a guard would go to watch over a field or a vineyard. And in the midst of asking why and wrestling With the tough moral questions, Habakkuk retreated to a sacred place. He determined to crawl up into a watchtower and there (laughs) wait upon the Lord. He retreated to a quiet place where he could be alone with God. And the Hebrew word, station myself, is a military term. Standing fast at the ready. To keep watch, to see, has the idea of leaning forward in eager anticipation, knowing something is going to happen. So he went up there intently, sure that God was going to speak to him. I think, ladies, and I'm going to use myself as an example, too often when we're in crisis, wrestling with deep questions, in our lives, we plow ahead and push on. Habakkuk stepped back and he retreated to a sacred location where he could be still and know that he was with God. I hear many people say today, well, God, God doesn't really speak to us today. He doesn't really speak to us today like he did in olden times. But I wonder, ladies if the question is more that we are not still and we don't listen we don't go to a guard post and wait like Habakkuk did and we don't know how long he waited one thing about the Bible that is hard is we see that God answered him in the next verse and we think oh good I'll go up to the guard post And I'll sit down and I'll say, okay, God, I'm here. And then I'll get my answer. But I don't think it happened like that. Maybe because it doesn't happen like that for me. And I don't think it happens like that for you. I think you waited a long time. But God did answer him. And God first said to him in verse 2, And three, Habakkuk, you heard me right. The Babylonians are coming. And no, it's not going to be pleasant. Uh, Record this vision. Write it down. It's going to happen. It surely will come. And then in verse four, he says something about the Babylonians to Habakkuk. And he gives a personal message to Habakkuk. First he says about the Babylonians in verse 4 of chapter 2. Behold as for the proud one his soul is not right within him. Habakkuk do you think I don't know what the Babylonians are like? Of course I do but I want you to take them and leave them over here leave them to me I know that their soul is not right within them I know and then he says to Habakkuk but the righteous will live by faith Habakkuk this is my message to you listen carefully Habakkuk These few little words are so important that one day when the New Testament is written, they're going to be repeated three times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. But the righteous will live by his faith. Habakkuk, my message to you is very simple. Trust me. Really, God? That's all? Trust me, Habakkuk. I'm God. I love you. Trust me. That's it, Habakkuk. I'm God. Trust me. The just shall live by his faith. The righteous shall live by his faith. If you look at Romans 1.17, Colossians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38, you'll see that this is repeated in those places. God's words to Habakkuk were a very special message from God for Habakkuk, but so special that they were repeated in Romans 1.17, Colossians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38. Now, ladies, if you're like me, what you want... Sure, we want to be told, trust me, but I want to understand... Why, when at age sixty four and I thought that I was in the prime of my life and everything was before me that God would allow me to fall downstairs and have a traumatic brain injury, I want to understand I never understood. He just said, "Trust me i i It would help me if I understood why my precious daughters both had cancer and why my daughter Joy is in heaven. He didn't choose to tell me that. He told me that his message for me in his great, deep, tender love for me was, Trust me, Linda. Trust me. The righteous will live by his faith. This was his message to Habakkuk. But what overwhelms me about this prophet, this man who has taught me how to trust God, is what God's message to him did to his heart and to his mind. Because... I'm going to read you a couple of verses from chapter 2. And you tell me what these verses are. I'm reading from chapter 2, verse 14. You probably heard these verses in a worship service and didn't know where they were from. Chapter 2, verse 14 For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Verse 20 of chapter 2 But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Ladies, that's worship. That's worship. And all of chapter 3 is Habakkuk's praise to God. He still doesn't understand what God is doing. God still doesn't make sense to him. And he can't understand why the Babylonians are going to come and take over his country. But God in his love for Habakkuk said, Habakkuk, you leave the problem to me and trust me, I love you. Trust me. And in chapter three, in chapter three, this dear prophet Turned his eyes to God, and chapter 3 is a powerful prayer of praise, perhaps one of the most profound prayers of the Bible. And Habakkuk gives praise for the person of God. He gives praise for the power of God. And in verses 17 through 19, he gives praise because of faith in God. And it's almost as if as he praises God and as he turns his eyes to God and says, I will trust you that his faith grows. And the last few verses of Habakkuk, I feel are the most beautiful statement of faith in the scripture. And it's as if Habakkuk has moved from confusion to confidence, from wrestling to worship. And I want you to look with me in chapter 3 at verse 16 because we get a little glimpse of where he was physically. And this verse has been an encouragement to me. Because I think sometimes we think, if I'm really trusting God, my body is going to follow. And that means I'll never have a headache. I won't feel sick to my stomach. And um, no stomach problems. Some people get stomach problems. I get headaches. But we don't have any of those things. If you're really trusting God with a problem. So here is Habakkuk. He is just given this glorious prayer of praise. And he says in verse 16, I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound my lips quivered, decay enters my bones. And in my place I tremble, because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who will invade us. And I remember once saying to some ladies, boy, I don't know what it means to have decay enter my bones. And there was a woman there, and she had rheumatoid arthritis, and she said, I know what it means to have decay enter my bones, and it's not a good thing. But he was quaking in his boots. He was trembling all over. It wasn't like he was praising God. Oh, this is wonderful, wonderful, the Babylonians are coming. No. He was trembling. And yet, even trembling, he gave this beautiful statement of faith In verses 17 through 19, he said, Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the field and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like the feet of a deer, and he makes me walk on my high places with my God. So he's quaking in his boots, but he lists all of his those, and doesn't sound much to us that there's no fruit on the vine No olives, but he lived in an agrarian culture and he listed everything that gave him sustenance and security. If all of the things that give me sustenance, if everything that gives me security is gone, yet will I praise you. Yet will I praise you. Yet will I praise you. I want to read to you what Ludmilla one of the women in Ukraine wrote. She said questions that Linda asked stir me up again and again must God answer? What did God tell me when I was waiting up on the watchtower? Every time I find new answers. Just one thought. If I really understand who God is, the rest is not important. The fields, the olives, the cattle, it's a great happiness to belong and serve this God. (coughs) So <coughs> what did I do with the with the book of Habakkuk the first time and those of you that have the book call my anxious heart will read this in that May 18th 1984 when my daughter was in such a hard place and I took a sheet of paper that said, though, 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 though. And I went out. We were living in Vienna, Austria, and I went out on my balcony and looked out at the grapevines, and I wrote out, though I never see my daughter smile again, though she never turns back to the Lord, though I never understand why, And there were more on the list. Yet will I praise you. Yet will I rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He makes my feet like hind feet and sets me on the high places with my God. When my little granddaughter was born and I wasn't sure that I would ever get to hold her alive, And when she was in Finland and I was trying to get a flight over there, I went out behind my home, by the mountains, and I lifted her to the Lord. And I said, God, though I never get to hold my granddaughter Sophia, though my daughter falls apart, though I don't understand why, Though, though, though. I did the same thing about my brain injury. And I did it about my daughter's cancer. It's a prayer of surrender. When Habakkuk said yet I will exalt in the Lord. The word in Hebrew means spin around for joy in my God. And he was trembling in his boots, but he did begin dancing. His surrender led him to joyous and jubilant praise in God. Habakkuk has taught me how to be honest before God, to list my, to to, to scream, to cry, to tell God I don't understand, uh, to go up on a watchtower and wait on God and listen. And when God tells me that his answer is <laughs> the same as it was the last time to trust me, but he also tells me he loves me, and I go out with my sheet of those, ah. Uh, I ask him to turn it to worship. Ladies, you have a piece of paper. <laughs> and we're going to give you a few moments to begin thinking about this in quiet reflection. And, um, and it will be up on the screen here. And um, I, um, I would like to just pray for you, that God will speak to you. Is it, maybe I didn't put it in there. Yeah, but the video's here. Oh, the video. I forgot the video. Okay. We're going to look at one other thing that shows us what it means to trust God. And the other night, we were piggies tonight. Today, we are a little bear. I love this picture of trusting because we are that little bear and we're fighting in the water, we're running, and we feel like we can't make it. And um, the mama bear, or the father bear, whatever it was, is a picture of God who is there ready to take care of our wounds and protect us. And maybe it sounds hard for God to say to us, trust me, but he doesn't say that leaving us alone. He is there protecting us and loving us. And I just say where I've been the last two and a half years, his tender mercies and his comfort have embraced me. And um, he wants to do that for you too. So as you write out your those, remember that he abundantly loves you and wants to shower you with his love in the midst of the hard places. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for Habakkuk. Thank you that he learned to embrace you and cling to you. Thank you that he continues to be my teacher in that. And I just personally pray for each of your precious daughters here that you will give them a teacher on their road to trusting you. Ah. Show them someone personally to guide them. And speak to them today as they meet with you. And Lord, just thank you. Thank you for the laughter, for the learning. Uh, just thank you for being here with us. Uh, we've had tigers and piggies and elephants and bears, but most of all, we've had you. So thank you for being here in our midst. We love you, we adore you, and we worship you. Amen. So ladies, we're going to take a good five minutes for you to just sit with that worksheet that Linda gave you.